You're listening to Black Humboldt's new podcast, Black Aesthetic. And we're celebrating our love for Black arts and culture within Humboldt County. What up? This Queen D rocking this body from East Coast to Humboldt. Woo! Hey, this is Dilar, healing souls on the streets. K.M. Ross, popping shots, killing things, and making stuff. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Mo, mom artist extraordinaire. Baby, baby. The performance of Black American identity feels very different from actually living in a Black body. There's a dissonance between inside and outside. Kehinde Wiley, visual artist. This week, we are featuring Shelly Purnell and how she exists in Humboldt County. Hey, everybody. We have Shelly on our podcast today. Hey, girl. What's up, Shelly? Hey, y'all. Good to be here. Thank you for being here, Shelly. Um, everybody out there in the ether world listening, we want you to know about this amazing artist named Shelly Purnell. She is based here in Humboldt. She is a Black woman, Afro-Latinx, Black performing artist. She is a graduate of the theater department at HSU and also locally creates and produces her own work and produces work at local theaters here in Humboldt County. She is the creator and producer of Loudmouth Black Girl, and you can check her out on her Instagram, and we're going to make sure we get all her handles. What's up, Shelly? <laughs> I always think you make me sound cooler than I think I am, you know? People are always like, you do all this shit, and I'm like, I do all of that? I don't think I do. <laughs> I think I do half of that. Um also, That's how I would describe you as well, if someone were to ask. Yeah. All those I, acronyms. I think I don't know how much I do. Like, you know how you don't know how much you do? Like, other people tell you how much you do, and you like, for real, I do all of that? It well, let's feel like I do all of it. Cherry on the top, then, for you. The cherry on the top also is the curator of Revenge of the Artists in mm-hmm. Humboldt County. <laughs> Which needs to come back, because it's been on a month-long mental health hiatus um <laughs> so yeah that'll be coming back real soon good real i've been soon. trying to participate but that's like the opposite right i've been like putting off doing anything artistic just <laughs> being in my covid yeah mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but once you do it once then you're like i could do it again i, could I was it. loving watching it mm-hmm. i was like learning new artists i was like okay cool yeah it's really <laughs> funny to see how everybody reacts to it as well and then seeing new people try new things out too because they're at home, so they're not inside their usual elements. So that's really cool as well. And yeah. So Shelly, tell us about your artistry. Other than this cool intro we gave you, what do you <laughs> as an artist in humble? Maybe tell us some things we don't know, or tell us just about your art. All right. So I started. Uh, doing theater when I was 18. Uh, I'm 20, I just turned 26. So I've been doing it for about eight years. So I started when I came to Humboldt, actually. Um, Just because I feel like, I feel like theater is one of those things when you don't, when you don't grow up in it or you don't grow up inside somebody putting you inside of those classes or somebody taking you to those auditions or somebody doing X, Y, and Z, it's kind of um, inaccessible in a way, right? Because you don't really know how 
to to be inside of that sector and then trying to get into that when you're already not in it it's 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 really hard and sometimes um theater circles can be very judgmental right because they want people to have this idea of a professionalism already they want people to know what they're doing which is intriguing because that's not the point of theater right the point of theater is to is to teach artists is to bring artists in right um and so yeah so I came up to Humboldt County um for uh English degree actually 18 year old Shelly wanted to be a uh a lawyer so yeah that's that's an interesting tra transition, right? 18-year-old Shelly wanted to be a lawyer and now wants nothing to do with that shit. Um, and so I, yeah, I came up here and I just auditioned for a play just cause I never got into any in high school. And I auditioned for a play and I got in. And then I auditioned for another play and I got into that play. And then I added theater on as a minor then I added theater on as a double major and then the rest the rest is pretty much history right so uh by junior year that's when I was kind of like eh, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore I don't I don't have enough optimism to change the system from the inside don't have it in me anymore it's gone um and you know I, I grew up with artists in my home my father was an artist Right. My father is an artist. Um, he paints and he draws and all of that good stuff. And so for me, I always thought it was really cool. And I've always been very taught very much how to use art as a way of activism. And so, um, so when I started acting and then from there, it branched into playwriting. From there, it branched into directing. From there, it went into producing shows. Um, producing student-run shows mostly, but they were little short pieces that I had wrote myself that were about perspective pieces about race in America. So I did one that was about uh, Black women and invisibility in, um, in America. Uh, and I wrote it myself. I was like 20 at the time. Uh, and I think it was a good piece. I don't think it was great. I think it was good. Um, because you always have room to improve, but but I still did it. Uh, and I think that was the first thing I did. And then after that, I just kept doing projects um, and then started pushing the local community as well to let me direct inside of their theaters too. Um, and push a lot of them for initiatives in order for them to uh, have more people of color within their theaters and on their stages. And what does that mean? and paying us to educate and to do those diversity practices and to put to put diversity inside of your building. Um, and so, yeah, so kind of like, it's, it's kind of like I, I do all these things within the theater, but at the same time, I'm always kind of organizing something in the background or helping somebody uh, with some type of structural thing having to do with the theater in the background. Um, so a mixture of art, but then also a mixture of, of activism at the same time, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, I always tell people that that protest, that protest is it's in itself a form of performance. Doesn't mean that it is performative, 
but it is a form of performance, right? Because you show up, your body is a certain way, you dress a certain way, your demeanor is a certain way when you show up to a protest, right? Um, and you do those things to protect yourselves. You do those things to to be to be one with the with the group of people that are around you, so that y'all can protect each other. So in itself, it is a form of of protest, right? It, if you whether you do it silently, those chants are a form of of performance, right? Um, and so yeah, that's just kind of how I look at the world. Everything is art in some way. It made me think like is that we were talking last time we met too about how art is is just activism for people like us right and mm -hmm. i and i'm wondering i guess like is that something that you think happened naturally because of the environment of theater and black mm -hmm. bodies or were you like i'm going to bring this into this realm mm -hmm. if that makes sense I mean, I think I, I think naturally, as uh, Black people living in America, we're all actors in some form because we have to be, right? We have to code switch when we walk into a certain place. We have to conduct ourselves in a certain way. I mean, we don't have to do those things, but in a sense, we know that we have to do those things, right? Because it's like this means of survival. And yep. so... Who is W.E.B. Du Bois's uh, ideology on the double consciousness of Black folks having to wear the mask in the world and taking off their mask in their home? Mm hmm Yeah. So in a sense, we're already performance in, in motion and in action and any time that we're doing something, right? Um, it's like a, my friend Ticker teaches dance he always says that everything is movement. Everything is dance. When you walk into a room, it is dance. People are always dancing. They just don't recognize it as that dancing. So therefore we're always performing art, but therefore we don't, we don't recognize it as art. We don't recognize our, ourselves as already, we are already the artist and the masterpiece. Our body is already there. It's already on display whether or not we want it on display, right? So it's really up to us how we how we use that body when it is on display. Um, and how we decide to use that body when it is on display. And do do we use that in always a terms of of, of protest to to fight back, or do we use it as a means of uh or, or just by showing joy in the body, by showing life in the body, by being alive, right, is a sign of protest. So, yeah, that's what I always think about, is that just by us living and breathing and being here, it's a sign of protest. And that in itself is a sign of performance, because you're already the artist and the art and the masterpiece in one. Um, and so, yeah. Um. Something you mentioned uh, definitely stuck out to me. It was something I can 100% relate to. I also wanted to be a lawyer. And, um, you know, some of the similar struggles and uh, losing passion over that. Um, I mean, I was just thinking about how interesting it is that even, like, being a lawyer is, like, a performance, right? It's like mm -hmm. you're 
you're putting your best foot forward and presenting a case and trying to give the best impression of your client or the defendant or whatever, wherever you're defending. So, um, do you think that, um, just going to a university, you had a chance to kind of experiment around with different things to help you find your groove that may have been different in maybe say like grade school or, um, you know, when you have, you didn't have control over where you went? Mm -hmm. So I, I've always been interested in art, right? I'm, I'm just, I'm just the poor kid, you know? So it's like when you're, when you're little and, and you're watching Save the Last Dance for the fifth time, trying to copy the dance moves and mama can't put you in dance class. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do for you. Um, and I feel like that that can go Wait that can go. Shelly, can you yeah. just say it again for the people who did not get that metaphor, please? <laughs> I said when you were in front of the TV trying to copy Julia Stiles and save the last dance, you know, you can copy all you want, but Mama still can't pay for dance classes. You know what I'm saying? All right, did we get that? Did we? Get that? <laughs> I'm speaking to the privileged. Like those were our dance classes. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Exactly. And yeah. so it's kind of like um, that could go uh, one of two, one of two ways, I believe. I believe that a, a lot of us, we either go the route of when, when we want to do art and we grow up poor and we don't have those resources in order to develop that art, either we learn how to develop it ourselves and we're self-starters in that way or we stop doing it because at, at a point in time, we feel like we're, we're not good enough to do it. We don't have the skill to do it. And then you have all these kids around you that are mainly white kids inside of these circles that have been doing this shit since they were five. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I already feel this type of stereotype threat because you've been doing this shit since you were five. I don't even know how to sing along to a fucking piano in the right way, you know? And um, it makes you feel really inferior in those places. And the thing is that it's it's working in any type of entertainment sector is such is such a grimy fucking business because you never know if the people you're working with are good people. You don't know if like they if 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 they really like genuinely like you for you or if they're just using you because they see potential in you or they're using you because they look at you as competition. And it's uh, it's really interesting because I remember being 18 and just being so excited because I got into a play, because I got into a play, because the people in the play were nice to me, because I was here from a different town. I didn't even have that many lines. I didn't even know how to put on stage makeup. And I met some of some of the the, the greatest friends I have ever met in theater. I have. I definitely have, but I have also met some of the biggest fucking snakes I have ever met also in theater. People who I thought were my friends, people who have done a lot of racist, microaggressive shit. And, and then on top of that, like they, they keep you around because they're jealous of you sometimes because they feel like you can do something they can't when they don't know the whole time you're envious of them because they have all this fucking training, right? And you're just learning it. So what, what do we have to be jealous about when we're all growing in the same industry and white people already 
are they are the industry. They are the stories in the industry. It revolves around them. When I walk into a theater space, it is very, chances are very slim that I am doing a play that is written by a woman of color, that is written by a person of color with it, with a perspective that even I can connect to. On that note, how many black created, written, produced shows have you done in Humboldt County? Um, besides my two student production, productions, um, I did The House That Will Not Stand. Um, and um, Intimate Apparel would have been the second one. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Intimate Apparel though. No, but can you talk about both of those shows um, for, for our black and brown folks who missed it, where they were? Mm -hmm. What's, what, tell us a little bit more about that. So uh, The House That Will Not Stand is a piece written by Marcus Gardley. Um, I saw. I believe. You written it. <laughs> it's it a good, good show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they wrote it in, um, he wrote it in 2015. So he actually got commissioned uh, by uh, Berkeley rep uh, to, to, to be a living uh, playwright and to write a play for the theater. And so he started off writing this play about uh, this, this like uh, coming to age story in Oakland. And because his family moved from New Orleans to California um, when he was very young. And so, but at the same time, while he was writing this play, he kept thinking about this history and this time period inside New Orleans um, called the Place period. So the Place period, for y'all who don't know, is uh, a period that happened in um, New Orleans while they were under French rule, where the white woman that they were married to didn't want to move to New Orleans. They didn't want to come in the beginning. When they first came and they took over this, this land, they didn't want to come. And so these white men were, were, you know, they were, they were, they were raping and they were pillaging, of course. The the black peoples that were inhibiting this island, um, the black peoples, the indigenous peoples on the, that were there. And so they somehow, somehow they were able to argue these women whom were giving birth to quadroons, which meant that they had at least one eighth or one fourth of white blood inside of their body, um, their children, they were giving birth to these quadroons and they actually went and argued for the right for their children to be free and for them to be free with their children. But this freedom was a, basically a form of sex slavery. So these women were being placed, which is what Place meant, to be placed with these white men who paid for them, who paid dowries for them to whoever owned them at the moment. And mainly that was either their, their, their owner, which was usually someone who got their mother pregnant, or it was someone that their mother was placed with at, at, a, young, at a young age. 
So she had all her kids with this man and in exchange, she's his mistress. She has her own home, it's in his name, yes, but she gets to have her own home. She gets to run businesses. She gets to do all of that and live as a as this almost upper class woman, kind of like the white women do. The only difference is that they are mistresses and when that man dies, they don't own anything. So this mother, the main character, Beatrice, is fighting for her three daughters to never have to be placés. And they don't understand why, because that's all they've ever known. Can we also um, talk about the fact that you co-directed and mm-hmm. was also a lead? I in- co-directed, I acted, I casted the whole damn show. You got to be able to do all of those things. Jack of Jill of all trades, master of none, because mm-hmm. there's not enough of us to be able to fill one role, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not knocking that. It's a good thing to be able to be multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good thing to be multifaceted, multi-hyphenate. Um, but you are amazing. You, you held, you were grounded. <laughs> you were, you filled the space. How many actors, how many black actors were not uh, considering themselves as actors that you cast? Uh, everybody except the three sisters. So in me, it was the only people that really considered ourselves actors were me, Ayana, and Takira. And it was a, a, a cast with seven black women and one white man. So, and he, he's, he's, he's an experienced actor, so. Tell us about your next project, The Intimate Apparel. What happened to that? Intimate Apparel, oh Lord, Jesus Christ. So Intimate Apparel has like, we have started to call it the cursed show, right? Because we're like, the universe does not want the show to get put on, y'all. It has given me the show twice and taken it away from me in the cruelest ways. Um, So again, casting, right? So it is hard to get to get uh, the black population of Humboldt County to come out to auditions and stuff. And it's hard because a lot of people don't see themselves as actors. Um, however, I, I think that everybody is an actor. So like, if you tell me like, I don't act, I'm still like, you should just come out and audition because you really might come and you might be like, this really ain't for me. But then you go through the audition and you be like, man, I could do this shit. Hype yourself up. Just come through. I promise I won't yell at you much. You know, I may yell a little bit. That's in my nature. That's what I do. Um, but but it's, it's, it's a fun experience. And I also think it's really powerful for, for Black bodies to just be on stage and to be seen on stage for our stories to be told in order to tell those stories we need black bodies um but yeah so casting intimate apparel the first time they did it um i was i was i was about to move out of humboldt county and then i ended up not moving because that's the story of my life if you know me that's 
That's me. That's why I said this time. Listen, we I all leave. trying to get out of Humboldt County. Your <laughs> black cultural neighborhoods. <laughs> Look, I done told you this time when I leave in these couple of months, that's not public yet. I'ma dip the fuck out. Y'all gonna be like, where the fuck Shelly at? And I'ma be like, I ain't there no more. Cause I like nobody jinx me. I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> and so it's uh so they asked someone else to direct the show. Um at the time it it was a a a white male, um, somebody that I know and I trust very well, his name is Shay King. And they had asked him if he could direct it because I wasn't down. I They thought I was going to be moving. So they didn't ask me. Um, and Shay said yes. But then he ended up having to drop the show because another project came up. Um, and then they found another director who was some 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 white woman um, that I, I don't know. I can't say nobody knows because obviously somebody knows if they to direct the play and I'm not trying to sound like I'm talking shit because I'm not that's just how I talk so <laughs> random lady that was supposed to direct it's with apparel the second time around um look I ain't talking shit I ain't coming for you ma I swear so <laughs> so um so yeah and then she had to drop the play and then by then I wasn't moving yet so they were just kind of like, oh, do you want to direct the play? Because you were our, our first choice. Um, Before you talk about Intimate Apparel's rest of this production process, can we just talk about why they didn't ask a Black person in the first place? I don't care if there's not enough of us. They could have asked me. They could have asked Mo. They could have asked all of the Dr. Black women at HSU, even if they're not directors. They could have asked any Black woman. They could have asked Sharon of NAACP. Especially in the, in, out here in the theater community, because like it, it all comes, it all it all comes with trust. It's fucked up, but it all comes with trust. You know what I'm saying? Like I always say, I loved I with the theater community, not just in Humble. I'm mm-hmm. now getting on my rant. Not just yeah. in Humboldt, but theater, period. We got to mm-hmm. stop asking white people to direct our stuff. White people have to stop asking white people. Exactly. You don't want to ask people about uh-huh. other problems, but you want to ask white people about how to direct and conduct something mm-hmm. concerning the Black body. Like, that's where exactly. I draw the line. And that's one thing that I've been bringing up for years is that we need to have the right to tell our own stories because even though these directors, they may be good directors. That's true. They may be good directors. They may be able to put on a good show. However, I always think that when it is somebody whose story is about them, they're able to see those hidden layers that a white director is not able to see, right? Or not able to recognize. And... Um, even with with uh, House That Will Not Stand, I, I, I wanted to direct that show and I, and I wished I could have directed it by myself. I couldn't have because I was, I was acting in it. However, if I had the chance to direct it by myself, I probably would have tried to find another actor so that I could have did it by myself. Um, and I had to co-direct it, you know, because most theaters up here aren't going to give you the chance to just outright direct the only theater out here that I know that does that outright that's going to give you a chance to direct just based off word of mouth or somebody else saying you know x y and z is trying to get into directing and they'll give you a go is ncrt 
Can you um, I, that acronym out for people who don't know? North Coast Repertory Theater. So at Redwood Curtain, when I co-directed, that was kind of in a way my test run. So that was them giving me giving me a shot without giving me full full reign because they didn't exactly know if they wanted to give me full reign, which I think I think that makes sense. I think that's I think that's valid. I do. Um, just because I have been, especially in a theater, um, in any of our community theaters where we constantly have different directors coming in and working with actors and the people who run those theaters aren't necessarily there all the time. You do want to vet out your director and see what kind of director they are because you don't want to be in a situation where your actors feel unsafe your crew feels unsafe, especially people that always come back and work at your theater. The first show that I did, the first community theater show that I did in Humboldt County was a toxic environment, was a toxic environment. Um, and that was at Redwood Curtain Theater. And I, and I loved that theater and it had nothing to do with the theater per se. It was the director that we had. And and if he hears this and he gets upset, I'm I'm sorry, man. It be like that sometimes. <laughs> like, no, no, no. We not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. We have an apology. An apology. It be like that. Sorry. You didn't create that problem. You encountered no. it. Um, we apologize for something you didn't create, and we're not here to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> he always tells me don't apologize for nothing. Even if I text her and say sorry. We're like trained to always be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But what she just said makes the most sense. You didn't even cause a problem. You encountered (laughs) the problem. So why are you apologizing? So it was just, it's just a mess in that regard. But for years, I've been telling people when it comes to that and them saying, oh, well, that's different. Because we knew that you were our director. We knew that there were people vouching for you. So therefore, I have a reason to give you a shot. However, again, this is theater. This is community theater. The whole point of theater, community theater, is to bring people into your community. It's supposed to be an accepting community, right? And so therefore you have to bring everybody in at different levels. And so what I've even been talking to people about is saying, okay, cool. So you don't wanna let someone so direct because even though they're a person of color and they want to direct and they have interest in directing, they've never directed a show before, all right? So you don't wanna leave them alone with actors. You don't know yet if you want them to be alone with actors, cool. Then you partner them up with a director and a co-directing situation. And what happens is they can, they can check and balance each other out. So while that person is learning about directing and directing styles and techniques and shadowing, They're also helping with the project. Their name will also be on the project as a co-director. So therefore they do have some type of equal rank and they could be there to to check that other director whom may not be a person of color to say, "Uh uh-uh, we can't do X, Y, and Z. It has to be done this way because this is an accurate way. You get what I'm saying? And so I've been trying even just to get the theaters to even open up and shadow directors and start shadowing people of color who want those skills to come in and learn those skills. Um, Because the only, I feel like the only way you can learn a skill in theater is through hands-on. 
It is through seeing somebody else doing it. It's through direct practice. Um, that's how I learned. I don't learn directing from no damn textbook. I literally just watched other people do it. And like, I, I watched other people do it. And in my head, I would say, okay, I like this. I like this. I like this. I like this. I don't like that the director did X, Y, and Z. I would change it this way. And then when I got my own actors, I just started practicing out the method that I had in my head. And every time I did it, it just got better and better and better. And I just kept growing and expanding on it, right? Because it was all through trial and error when you don't have that proper training. And so, yeah. But Intimate Apparel, I got the show um, the first time around, which was, what was it, like two summers ago? The, was it two summers ago? Yeah, like two summers ago, one summer ago. So we, so we got the show. Um, when we started out, we did not have a full cast. I had to find the main character. And one of the other main characters is a, a black male. And we, I could not for the life of me find anyone to play this role. When I tell you guys for three weeks, I met up with every single black man in Humboldt County that was willing to meet up with me about this role. Um, and Wait a minute, nobody, did you call Kevin? He I didn't call Kevin around. because you told me Kevin don't like acting. Kevin told me he don't like acting. D was running around Kevin though. Kevin told me he would not get on stage, so I did not call Kevin. Because <laughs> I, I actually, D was running around telling everybody about it. And then <laughs> I remember, because I know a guy who does acting and he would have been perfect, mm -hmm. but he was like about to leave town for some extended period of time or something. And I was like, yeah. dang, man, that guy would have been good yeah. out here hunting down black men for acting. <laughs> Man, I think I think I should I think I need to defend myself a little bit here though. <laughs> no. Man, you gotta catch me at the right time. I'll be about it sometimes, other times I'm not about it. But see, you know, I can't have you not being about it all the time though. You fuck around and be like, I take the role. And then 24 hours be like, you know what, Shelly, this ain't for me. The fuck you no, mean this no. ain't for me. I mean, I, I mean, you got to respect the honesty, but like, you know, if it's like, I, like, I, I need the right role for my debut, you know, I need the, mm -hmm. I need the, I need something high energy, kind of crazy. You know, I have a character, I have an alter ego in my head. Maybe you could write about, I don't know, but um, as long as you're here, just keep poking me, you know, you might, I might be like, all right. <laughs> one day you might change your mind. I might be like, all right. I kind of like, I kind of, I'm getting used to being in front of the camera. So it's evolving. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So yeah, it's like, uh, so I had asked everybody, couldn't find a damn body. Um, finally, I got somebody that was like, I'll try to do the role. Um, but I was going to have to work some director magic because working with a new actor, like, <laughs> four weeks before you open just isn't um is a little can be a little difficult especially when uh, a character like that character it was really hard to work with with a new actor it needed to be somebody that was already a little bit into it or just like more organically 
more of an organic actor. Cause sometimes you meet people who are like, I have never acted and then they get on stage and they're, they're great. Some people need a little work. <laughs> Not everybody is great when they get on stage. Um, and so, yeah. And then uh, that actor and um, yeah, that actor had to drop three weeks before we opened. And by then I was just like, that's, that's the end of that. So we had to reschedule the show. We had it rescheduled for April. We were supposed to open like April 18th or something like that, mid-April. Um, and I had the perfect cast. It was divine. It was beautiful. It was a great cast. I, I was like, I, I ain't doing this damn show again. And I'm not doing it unless y'all can give me my original cast for my second go round. If I can't have my cast, I'm not doing it. Um, and I'm not going to be able to because Ra's moving. He went back to North Carolina. I will say I truly was grateful that Ra was cast as that black male we could not fill. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to work with him. And, you know, if they try to remount this show again, Shelly, you might have to replace my tag on Ra. I'm not going to. I done told you. I told them I'm not doing... Look, they gonna fuck around and be like, Shelly, Intimate Apparel, and I'm gonna be like, find a new director. Look, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it, y'all. I can't do it again. <laughs> two seasons of trying to mount a show that cannot be mounted. Like When I tell y'all I have directed this show twice... I'm still waiting for my... um. My um black artist. No compensation. No compensation <laughs> for rehearsing for two years. I hope they listened too because I had an email yeah. came out with the smoke. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I had the I had the perfect cast, the perfect cast. When I tell you that, and I met Raw in like the most intriguing way. I was uh, a friend of mine came out here. She's a burlesque dancer. She came out and did a burlesque uh, um, show. And uh, I'm in the back and I'm helping her set up and stuff because I'm helping her run the show. And I, somebody comes in the back and gets me and they're like, hey, so there's this, there's this guy out here because at the time I was doing a grant, an education grant, uh, well, not an education grant, but an art grant to help educate people on theater and help people gain those skills. And I had a whole workshop series for free, but y'all know people is ungrateful and don't show up for shit. You just waste your time and, and your heart and your soul we gets know hurt. <laughs> but I also don't ever show up for shit. So, you know, that's probably karma coming back around. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to heal through this Black community and show up, okay? All of <laughs> Exactly. And so I... I uh, <laughs> yeah, so basically, I was back there. Somebody ran back there, and they said, "I know you got your grant going on." Um, and there's this there, there's this young black man out in the lobby. I don't want to come back and get you because you're black too. That's not my intention. It's just that you have this grant going on specifically for people of color in the arts. So I figured that maybe you just want to talk to him, get his contact information down. I went out there. This man has a duffel 
bag over his shoulder, girl. And he's like, I'm just trying to figure out when auditions are. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I got down his phone number and stuff. And um, then I, yeah. And then when we started to remount this show, I had him come in and do an audition for me. And he actually brought one of his friends because he was like, I felt like I had to bring him because his last name is George and the character's name is George and he's actually Caribbean. Like he actually has an accent for this role. Like he could do it naturally because he actually has that accent. Um, and in the end, I still ended up picking Rob. I still did. And not that his friend, his friend read for it and his friend was, was great. It was great and probably would have been pretty sure that's the guy that I that I told him about the project. After it's his name. It's his name. Godwin. Yeah. 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 Godwin. Was, yep. He, I told him I was D told me and I was like, yeah. God, I'm auditioned for this because this is you. <laughs> yeah. They actually I auditioned both of them at the same time and Raw dragged him to the audition and I auditioned both of them at the same time. And Godwin, Godwin was great. Godwin was great. He was, but I, I had to give it to Ra. I just did. Um, and then I had another, another actor drop. So then I had to look for another actor. Then I had to look for another actor. And so it was a process. Then we had a full cast and everything was great. And then COVID hit. And that was the end of that. So. And thank you and good night. <laughs> <laughs> So look, we're running out of time and um, I really want to make sure that you have had an opportunity to be heard. Mm -hmm. we, we can't be seen, so I'm just going to leave it at be heard right now. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that in your last few months or years of your time that will be spent here in Humboldt that you mm -hmm. like for the Black artist community to take away as a gem from this talk? From you, um, something that you haven't said yet. I think that overall, we just need to support each other, even if we're even if we're working in different art disciplines, because there's so much that we can do, and we have so many skills that could transfer over into different areas. And so, even if it's something that you're like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I still think that just just showing up and even trying um, is a plus. I'll never forget when I did my student show fate and I, I, I was having a hard time having people show up. And the only reason why I got people to come and audition for that show is because Tina Sampay said, I want to support you. And she showed up to my auditions and dragged a whole bunch of girls with them. Granted, half of them ain't know why they was there, you know, and Tina was like, I'm not an actor, but I'm going to audition anyway. And they're going to be great. I would do it anyway. But she still dragged him. You get what I'm saying? And and I still found an actor out of, out of that. Even though some people didn't take it seriously, they wasn't really there for that. I found someone that said, you know, I did improv once and took it seriously during the audition. That had never acted outside of improv for like one or two years. And she's a great actor. She's great. But nobody had ever told her that she, that, that she was great. 
at it. And she had never had anybody say, you could be an actor. Like, you could do the shit because you're good at it. And that's all it takes. It just takes people showing up and saying, you know you could be good at this skill. Because sometimes that's all we need is just somebody to say you could be good at it. To even plant that seed. To, to believe that you can do it. I definitely want to say, you know, thanks for, thanks for sharing, um, you know, it's a big, a big part of you with, with us today. And, um, you know, we've crossed paths and we've connected here and there over time and stuff. And like to actually have like time and, and, you know, hear more about what you do. It was Mm -hmm. just, you know, that was part, that's part of showing up. Right. You know, and I think, um, I think that's super, I want to highlight what you said and said, like, I think that's super important. It's just showing up for each other. Um, you know, the YouTubers have the things that they say is like community over competition. And as black folks in Humboldt County, we probably got to take that like to the next degree, you know, as far as just building that community. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great hearing everything that, that you're a part of and things I've heard about that I didn't know you were a part of. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah. great. It was great hearing from you. So they've heard the voice. Where can they see the voice? What are all of your handles? Give me all four, three or four of them. So you have um, Sincerely Shelly, The Loudmouth Black Girl, Revenge of the Artist, and the Skin Folk Collective. All on Instagram, y'all. All on Instagram. A theater troupe that I put together full of artists of color who have either all worked, who have all worked in Humboldt County, either currently or past. Um, and that is called the Skin Folk Collective. And the S is in the parentheses because we want to be skin folk and kinfolk right, and um, tell stories and bring that originality as well. So uh, once that gets popping off and we start putting stuff on that Instagram and all that good stuff, that'll be a good chance to also connect with local artists as well. Thank you so much, Shelly, director, writer, producer, creator, Black extraordinaire artist in Humboldt County. Thank you so much for being here, for for being vulnerable, for sharing your journey, for being honest and open and transparent, and just being a part of us. We're a part of you, and we hope to continue that no matter if we leave, whoever leaves Humboldt County, we all stay connected and be in one love. So with that, y'all. And we're all digital, so we could do a whole bunch of a whole bunch of weird projects and shit together right now. So no doubt. I'll be hitting y'all up and being like, we're going to do a scary movie all through Zoom. Fuck it. Weird. I'm down for weird stuff. That's, that's the dead ass shit I want to do. Oh, look. With this like- skin folk shit, we could really get together and do this for real. Like, I'm trying to do Zoom movies and shit on, like, dead ass. Like, all right, so, so, on so if, you, if you get a role about somebody that could do a bunch of stuff that if I did in real life would land me a lot of time in prison, I want that role. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, you have the horror movie where the only people that live are the black folk that use their common sense from the beginning. So it's a yeah. Uh, you know that mo- the black horror movie is like five minutes long, man. Like that dude, like, <laughs> like nah, we killing them. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks, y'all, for listening to The Black Aesthetic. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and tune in every Wednesday. Follow us on all socials at Black Humboldt and check out our website at www.blackhumboldt.com. If you want to send some love and feedback, email us at blackhumboldt at gmail.com. And make sure to use the hashtag Black Humboldt Aesthetic. B-L-A-C-K-H-U-M-B-O-L-D-T-A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C on social media. Until next time, continue to walk in your Black excellence.